Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 9 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that, that might not deserve them. As ever, I am Mitch Bain, a horror writer and occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. I'm a filmmaker and a journalist and various other miscellany. Miscellany, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, delighted to be joined on the Skype tonight. He is an award-winning animator and filmmaker, uh, famous for such work as uh, Bobby Yeah, The Cat With Hands, also D is for D-Lice from uh, ABC's A Death 2. Yes, indeed. Joining us tonight, Mr. Rob Morgan. Rob, hello. Hello, I expect that you should dub in like a round of applause or something there. That Absolutely. Could, <laughs> that could be arranged. Yeah, we, no, we, 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 yeah, we do that as standard, it's fine. And normally, it's normally like six to eight minutes of applause, is that cool? Sweet. I'm, I'm happy with that, yeah, some cheering. <laughs> Slightly less than Rob's uh, used to, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, straight in, you have gone with 1982's Extra. <laughs> Yeah, Harry Bromley Davenport's extra. So uh, let's go. Let's just dig straight into this. What were the reasons behind you bringing this to the table tonight? Well, first of all, I don't. I mean, th- this is supposed to be like defending a film that has like a a bad reputation. Yeah, I'm not sure what the reputation is of extra among among horror fans, but certainly I know it's like the the reputation has been growing a lot in recent years, and I think it's probably looked at slightly more kindly than it than it used to be. But I know at the time, I know the sort of mainstream press, you know, didn't give it a very a very good uh, reception. So, um, but for me, I've chosen it because I just think it's it's a film that's been with me a very long time. I saw it when I was quite young, and I've revisited it numerous times over the years. And I just think there is nothing else like it i think it's completely unique i think it's got a completely unique atmosphere i think even among the world of wild b movies and exploitation movies it's pretty out there and uh, i think it just has an atmosphere that i i I really cannot think another film that feels like extra i mean it's got a really unique atmosphere to it which we can get into you know in more detail absolutely i think that what you said what you said about it kind of like developing this kind of this kind of cult affection over the years is right enough i think it's fair to say that the mainstream opinion on it from what i can glean is still not great so i think it's a strong candidate because as you touched on it's it's a weird film (laughs) uh with like this kind of burgeoning cult following and also like it's just now gotten very good release from second sight yeah the second sight release that's just uh just came out last week advertising this because this is like perfect timing isn't it yeah yeah absolutely uh also coming hot off uh, a request on twitter for somebody to do this so uh you know we're satisfying people left and right here yeah there must be a growing a growing appreciation of it for years when i i had seen it when i was very young and I was always telling my friends about it and no one had heard of it when I was talking about it and if they did they were quite dismissive of it (laughs) so it's nice now to sort of meet people that actually do appreciate it yeah I mean I think that like uh, there's quite a lot of things that I found kind of surprising about it that we can get into as we go on but before we do we do normally do something right at the beginning of the show Andy can we have 30 seconds on the clock yep got that so for the benefit of anyone who is listening in that hasn't seen Extra before, we're going to ask you to do um, a 30-second synopsis, right? <laughs> Brace yourself. Do you need a minute? Yeah, I'll that do it. That defeats the purpose. Okay, right. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Right, okay. Are we good to go? Yeah. Right, three, two, one, go. How about it? Okay, Extra, extra is, uh, is about a, um, a, uh, a, uh, a father who has um, a... Family. Where do you start? Okay, he's abducted by aliens at the beginning of the film. Three years later, he comes back um, to um, to rekindle his his relationship with his son and his wife. But he's kind of been changed by his experience of having been abducted by aliens. And um, Rob, 
I'm going to stop you there. You have run out of time, um, so we will have to uh, just make this up as we go along. That was pretty good, though. I think. I mean, you, you can't really explain what happens next anyway. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably yeah, what on. we're going to spend the next hour doing. But I think in terms of scene setting, I'll give you the point. Yeah, a new line cinema production. By the way, this. Yeah, Bob Shea's name is on. Yeah, it comes with some comes with some heavyweight backing in the form of Bob Shea, and that's it about was like before he was Bob Shea, wasn't it? It's like before he was the Bob Shea that we know who made um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. The Ring movies and stuff like that. I'm sure this. I'm sure this is the one he's most proud of. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah. And why not? So um, I think we should jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what you get at the beginning here is um, a very English family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As my, my take, as a Scotsman, I would say that my read was it was very English family, yeah. and. Um, they're out in like the the back garden of the house, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a pretty big kind of country estate, so back garden could just be fields. Yeah, uh, an possibly. extension of fields. And you get a like very abrupt entry of the aliens. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's pretty well done. I like the look of that bit. <laughs> I, I do, and I don't like the look of that bit. <laughs> I mean, right, right from the outset, it's weird because they're in the garden playing, and there's just that weird. You know, just everything about it, the music and that just feels like a weird, cheap, like public information film or something. (laughs) Absolutely. And the performances. Yeah, and the performances as well. And straight away, the way that the abduction is is depicted is just quite weird because he's throwing a stick for his dog. (laughs) It kind of goes up into there and then sort of freeze frames. Yep, that's right. And then uh, you get this weird flash of light and loads of like weird strong winds and, and stuff. And then he's kind of gone. He's obviously struggling really, really heavily with those strong winds. His mouth and his eyes yeah. are like full of sticks and bits of leaf. And he's kind of <laughs> trying to spit them out at the same time as he's still trying and to act. He does say, you know, it was like when he's re- recounting what happened to him and he says like there was a, there was a wind, <laughs> a strong wind. It was hot. Felt good. No, it's. I think it's. Um, it's really abrupt. But I get, like uh, the way it just kind of the stick is there, and it just. Yeah. But I, I quite liked it. Like I said, like I, I thought it was not without its charms. Um, it's worth noting though that when this happens, the only person privy to this is his son, Tony. Tony. Yeah. Um, who doesn't age at all in the intervening three years. Um, <laughs> but he he sees his father essentially taken by aliens, but no one believes him. Uh, and they think he has concocted this uh, story as a way to kind of soften the blow of his father leaving him, which is uh, pretty heavy. I suppose it is. Yeah, it's got this weird mix of like family drama uh, with sort of unhappy family drama that's a little bit soapy. TV drama almost, you know, mixed with this weird alien stuff. So it's right from the beginning. It's very, it's got this very sort of strange atmosphere, which uh, I heard was uh, completely accidental. They didn't realise that it had a strange atmosphere until they actually put it together, which I think is quite charming. But yeah, uh, Tony, he's ha- he's been having a bit of trouble with us. Well, I think uh, it's worth mentioning that this is presented in the form of like. A nightmare slash flashback. Isn't oh, of course, yeah. Because uh, Tony kind of wakes from that, and at that point, you get you get a little bit of a picture of the home situation, and kind of tying into what you were saying, Rob, about the family situation, uh, where yeah. you've got the stepdad figures, Joe, right? Joe, yeah, who Joe. is obviously kind of looking for a bit of approval and a bit of validation from Tony. Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit of that, and then um, we get our first real look at the creatures. Well, pretty yeah, pretty quickly, a lot happens very, very fast. The dad's abducted. Tony wakes up from a dream. We get this glimpse into what's the mom's name? Covered in blood as well. Tony wakes up covered in blood. Of of course he does. Another another thing that happens very early on. Yeah, doesn't he say something about him feeling all sticky or something? (laughs) And they pull the the covers out. He's covered in blood. But then they bring that doctor out to to have a look at him, and the doctor doesn't seem in the least bit fussed by it at all he's very accepting in fact he just kind of tosses away at, tosses it away as well it's not Tony's blood yeah um, like, no hang the fuck on whose blood is it the, yeah because um, my favourite line from when the doctor shows up and um, after he's been covered in blood and he says um, if he'd lost this much blood he'd be too weak to tell us anything and well, it's like yeah okay that's a fair assessment but also whose blood is it yeah. yeah he's not really flinching so the first the first real exposure we get to the creature is um, we have the couple yeah. in the car. It's yeah. also worth mentioning that Extro actually has no relation to the film in any way, shape, or form. The title is never mentioned. There's never a creature called Extro. But in the tra- in the American trailer, they do say you know they they call him Extro. They do say like you know it's Extro. He has been away, but now he has come back. Oh, do like, they? Yeah, actually, yeah, the, like the video like, I shared to like, Instagram. It's like playing his name is Extro. Of course that's not true i mean extra is just a cool title it just basically give extraterrestrials i guess but i kind of like the idea of that alien being called extra i think <laughs> I, I think 
in my head, <laughs> I, I, I would like him to be called Extra. Yeah, I'm quite into that. Like the shark being called Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get this really kind of hellraiser scene coming up just uh, just after the blood scene. Um, where ex- we're going to stick with Extra, I suppose, here. I'm happy, um, with, that. I'm happy with it. Where Extra kind of rises up from the forest floor, much like yeah. Frank being reborn in Hellraiser. Um, and it's uh, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting creature design, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's someone sort of doing like a backward sort of crab thing he's not even yeah. it's not even as well accomplished as a crab it's, yeah it's true it, well, he, he looks kind of tired it's kind of <laughs> sort of it's like a crab thing but without but but with the middle bit sort of sagging isn't it it's like but it is it's quite it is quite a, like a quite a striking thing though isn't it because it's like it is this kind of weird backward impossible but knees bending backward kind of appearing thing i actually quite like the creature it put me in mind of uh, the last episode was in the mouth of madness styles in that turns into this kind of crawling creature with the head on backwards it put me in mind of that um, and yeah. i love that the as this couple are kind of driving through the woods they pass extra on the side of the road and they bump it with the car that's why tony bleeds yeah is that correct yeah that's the implication i'm guessing or or maybe just the blood is just the kind of i don't know yeah it, it doesn't make any well <laughs> looking for sense is is maybe futile but that would seem like a an accurate well, interpretation there's that really cool shot where they where they are driving past that has now turned up in a million online consp- alien conspiracy videos as a real bit of footage amazing uh, which uh, is quite charming <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know this until we dug into the extras uh, yeah. extras it. extras yeah <laughs> uh when, yeah the, the, i didn't realize that that shot had been reappropriated as as a kind of hoax, real footage mm-hmm. of aliens and stuff, like w- really weird sort of electronic classical music in the car as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is but weird. Actually, I think we yeah. can briefly touch on the score in general here. It's quite aggressively jagged. It's uh, a very weird score, yeah. uh, but it, it that it, that sort of adds. I think that is part of the atmosphere of the film is down to the music as well because it has this um it's I mean Harry Bromley Davenport the director did the score right it's yeah, like a one yeah, that's correct, yeah. It's a one-man score. It kind of does a John Carpenter with it, and um, but it's like a really cheap-sounding synth score. And it re- <laughs> and again, it reminds me of the kind of score you would get in like public information films at that time. That's kind of part of its just weird sort of atmosphere that it creates. And it's quite shrill as well, and quite thin-sounding. <laughs> yeah, you know, it feels really sort of, and it's almost a bit light, light-hearted at times. Yeah, so it just has this really weird. It's just one of many things in the film that just sort of jar. They give it this strange atmosphere. And there are a lot of things in the film that, that I find quite jarring. <laughs> yeah, we get this bit pretty soon after this. After, obviously, the guy's hit extra with a car, he gets out to investigate. His girlfriend does not take advice well. He tells her multiple times to stay in the car, and she will not do that. But he goes off into the woods where extra is lying prone and still like a statue. Now, I don't understand... The, the, the workings, the logic of this at all but Extro wakes up, fires his tongue into his under eye area <laughs> yeah, and that, that's enough to that's him. I think that there's something about that that I feel kind of serves the, in the same way we're talking about the score I think like, see that as a moment uh-huh. it serves the overarching weirdness to the film in a way that feels like a happy accident because he could have killed him or attacked him in any way possible there but jabbing him in the under eyes with his tongue is just such an unbelievably eccentric decision. <laughs> and there's something about that that I think kind of pretty endearing. Instantly fatal. Yeah, instantly fatal. It's like every single choice that has been made in the film is just a really weird off-the-wall choice. So like you say, it could have killed him in any manner of um, ways. There's something a little bit almost alien like that they're trying to get out there maybe. The way that this thing shoots out of its mouth but it seems to just kind of make his under eyes bleed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's dead. And uh, um, that was on the back cover of the video. I really remember that image on the back cover of the VHS. Oh, was you it? Know, yeah, it was, there was three pictures. That's another thing about this film, that the, 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 the VHS cover was, was a major part of its kind of uh, mystique for me because I used to see it at the video shop, you know, way before I rented it out. And that mm-hmm. cover always, always jumped out at me. And on the and so you've got that you know the creature extra himself is on is on the cover. <laughs> Rob, just for context, how old were you when you first saw this, and how old were you when you first kind of spotted it and kind of got curious about it? If you can, I remember. must have. I mean, I, I I must have been I don't know like when I first 
saw it in the video shop, I was probably like nine or something. Mm. And then and then when I finally saw the film, I was probably about 11. Well, this film, Extra, uh, inadvertently got embroiled in the video nasties debacle of 1984. Yeah. It was on, the, it kind of skirted the list without making any of the, the kind of main two lists of video nasties, but it was... Uh, it got treated quite badly for a while and uh, viewed with some suspicion. But that probably just made it, you know, even more even more popular. Yeah, but when you watch it, pretty much it's pretty unfounded. You could say that the, the birth scene is is pretty out there, you know. If, if, yeah, if, um, yeah. if, if you were that way inclined to be looking for things to get upset about in that era, I would say there's probably a couple of things you could point at. I mean, you know, in the context of the video nasty thing where pretty much anything even remotely bleeding would get attacked but there is a pretty out there burst scene that's pretty it, heavy it, yeah there's a, there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple of things like that that i think fall into that category so i mean we go back pretty quickly to the girl in the car and she has now seen the creature and jumped back in the car somehow got her foot entangled in the steering wheel yeah which again i don't quite understand it's a very, that it's, a, it's the byproduct of a very hasty escape attempt it doesn't it doesn't seem an artistic decision not a sensible one but that seems like a kind of ongoing thread throughout and then we come to something which I think is probably one of the most traumatic things in the whole film when Tony walks in on his mum uh, and Joe having sex uh, which I think is possibly more scarring than seeing your father abducted by aliens. Yeah, I think that's the that's the biggest trauma visited on any character. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's relatable. And the mum tries to play it off as you've had a bad dream. Uh, go, <laughs> just go go back to, go back to your bed. This is all a dream. Pretty horrible. It's around about this point that we get to uh, well, we have the woman who appears on kind of unannounced. The woman in the shower, of course, with the dog. It's that, and then but it's like pretty much pretty quickly off the back of that is where you get to Tony waking up covered in blood yeah. and uh yeah like, um another like recurring theme on this podcast with characters is uh incompetent people who work in the medical profession mm-hmm. and uh i think yeah the doctor falls in the category here he was like yeah very quick to play down the fact that because it's not tony's blood there's no real cause for concern and also kind of like transparently blames the ex-husband as well oh yeah he, bl- he blames yeah he blames a lot of it on the, the missing father <laughs> So they're saying somehow the tra- the trauma of the father leaving has made blood appear on the the son. That's like the theory that he's that he's putting forward. Yeah, like blood is physically manifested on him. And this man is yeah. a this man is a doctor. Because that you know that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a ludicrous. If I had a pound, man. If I had a pound. The mum is quite incredulous though. She's not really buying the doctor's the doctor's line at all here. She is like, well, okay, but doesn't seem quite right. Uh, and then we get the blonde actress with a dog. <laughs> So she wakes up from the alien attack and immediately... Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh. She doesn't wake up from an alien attack. No, no, no. You're jumping way ahead here. She uh, lets her dog out and the dog runs off barking and she manages to bring it back in at this point. And when she does, it all goes very red, very suspiria. And from underneath a dining table emerges the bad robbery hands of Extro. Now, I'm not sure why he does this because are we to assume that the creature as we see it, as the dad. Well, this is uh, open to interpretation, isn't it? Because it seems it seems to me that it's some kind of vessel. It's like it's almost. I mean, it, it's almost like the alien father of the dad or something, because it kind of impregnates the woman, and then the birth that follows is Sam returning. Yeah. So if if it is if the alien itself is Sam, which it seems like maybe it is, because later on in the film he starts turning back into it again or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's the way. Um, that's certainly my reading of it. It's good to know we're yeah. on. We're on so the same wavelength. So he kind of like ejaculates himself into. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Isn't that what every ejaculation is? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the alien <laughs> fires off this kind of prehensile penis proboscis type thing onto the woman's mouth, so it, it impregnates her via the mouth. Yeah. And then we come to a scene that is pretty full on. I think, even by the standards of some of the stuff that was around at the time, it is quite full on. The birthing? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when you're a kid watching that, like in the middle of the day, on a summer's day, with the curtains drawn, like I, like I was when I was about 11, and then that scene comes on, that leaves an impression. <laughs> yeah. They even put in like his tune away, his own umbilical cord and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's pretty, yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, it's full on. I think it's around at this point we get introduced to Annalise. 
Mariam Dabo. Future yeah. Bond girl. Future Bond girl from uh, yeah. Living Daylights. A highlight of the film. Sick Actually, uh, did that, did that but just jumping back very quickly, did that buff scene remind anyone of Ace Ventura? Oh, Ace Ventura 2. I've not seen that. There's a bit in that where Ace Ventura has a mechanical rhinoceros. That's uh, Ace Ventura 2 when Deja Calls. Yeah, yeah, on the African savannah and he has to buff himself out of the rhinoceros's anus because <laughs> it's it's too warm inside the rhino. I hadn't, I, I, that hadn't occurred to me when you've said it, I won't be able to unsee it. <laughs> Uh, but it's also around this time, Mitch, that you said to me, and I wrote it down, I fucking hate Tony. Yeah, I feel like I'm being a little bit hard on Tony, but like um, in the extras, in the documentary and stuff on uh, that we were watching, the director, he talks about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. and said that he thinks that there's not a great deal wrong with Tony's performance in it, but he's very much a kind of like trained child actor, which means that all of his lines are very loud and very deliberate. Yeah. Which I think is probably fair enough. Yeah. And he does play like a character from Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, well, also, if you notice, a lot of his lines are delivered off screen as well. Yeah, I think it was some pretty heavy diagonal. A little bit suspicious, that. Like, yeah. quite a lot of his dialogue is off screen. Now, prior to the introduction of Annalise... Do we actually see her before the scene where she's in bed with that guy? Yeah, we do. We do? Yeah. Right. I think that, like, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's um, around the time that the doctor's there. I think she appears. She is introduced proper, I suppose, in uh, an awkward, awkward sex scene. Yes, yeah, so I'm <laughs> a sexual encounter with, at this point, a mystery, a mystery person. Who we later know is called Michael. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. My main takeaway from the intro scene there is that Michael is quite bad at oral sex. Because he's just, like, licking her thigh. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel, I feel like he's like maybe kind of like a few inches a few inches wide of the mark. <laughs> she seems to be enjoying whatever he's doing though. But uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Yeah. I'm not here to judge. Uh, some pretty serious thylingus going on. Also, yeah. uh, my wife pointed out that he had a very red ass, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, he does. And then they go into the kitchen, and um, assuming he has just been performing oral sex on Annalise, he drinks milk out of their fridge straight from the bottle. Wow. Which I think is quite disrespectful. It's a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. It's around this point that we, well, we jump, we jump to uh, Joe and Rachel. We, now we get an understanding of their relationship. So uh, Rachel, the mom, Joe, the stepdad, they are in business together. I didn't get that at all. I didn't know they were in business together. I just thought it was part of the house. Oh, no, I kind of, I kind of assumed that they, were, uh, that they had a photography business. I don't know, Rob. Show I didn't them. get that. I, I, I mean, it seems that, that uh, Joe is running some kind of photography business from their house i didn't get the feeling that they're in business together but maybe they are okay yeah yeah but at this point tony goes missing briefly well he does but prior to that um the now clothed sam has been wandering the streets uh sees tony out wandering with annalise and follows them home presumably that is not the same house that or it is not it's his house yeah yeah it's definitely his house because he's he's pretty annoyed at the fact that he's been replaced in the family home there's also the bit um when when he phones uh, phones the house up from a phone box and the phone handle melts and drips. Yeah. That was the, which is a really effective moment, I think. It really shows you that there's, there's something really weird and sort of otherworldly about this guy, even though he looks, even though, well, we know he's just been born out of a, of, out of a woman's vagina as a full-grown man, but <laughs> even aside from that, you know, he's come back changed because he's melting, you know, phones. And that's a really good effect as well. I think I think the effects in this film I, should be noted as being pretty pretty inventive for a low budget film. Oh, absolutely! Although they, they had the, the the whole film was what four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars, Mitch. Yeah, it's something like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's in that neck we, of the woods. Yeah, I yeah. think we looked it up, but uh, they they just literally put a burning hot wire inside a phone and uh, yeah. told an actor to hold it in his own bare hand. Now you're hitting on a good thing there, though, Rob, because um, I think that th- the effects are great, pretty much. I think. The creature stuff, I think, is pretty good, but a lot of the incidental stuff, I think, comes out really great. Yeah, it's it's just also there's just a, a really weird attention to detail in in the effects. All of the textures are just very weird, and mm-hmm. you know, often when you when you see an effect in a in a in a film from that era, you kind of go, oh well, that's a cool effect. But here, the effects they're well done, but there's something like really really gross about them as well. A lot of the time, there's something about the detail in there. That always feels like it's just like the textures is just a bit odd and a bit weird and a bit like a bit pussy or a bit gelatinous or something. <laughs> yeah, like, everything about it just it's just it's just the emphasis is just slightly on this, the weirder side. I think a lot of stuff kind of contributes 
really kind of in a weird kind of passive way. A lot of elements kind of contribute to a lot of incidental weirdness. Yeah. That kind of that kind of pulls together the overall kind of really eccentric atmosphere that kind of runs through the whole thing. But uh, I'd, I'd say also details as well, like um, like um, Tony playing with his action man and making it stamp on the butter, which I find just a bit gross. Just like little details like that that just make you feel just just a little bit like there's a bit of sick at the back of your throat. <laughs> <laughs> even, you know, even, even like aside from the horror stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, outside, outside of kind of like your big set pieces and your big scare moments and stuff like that, there's just kind of a lot of things like that are just kind of incidentally just really kind of disquieting. And there's something just a bit horrible about Tony generally, isn't there? There's something yeah. kind of just, yeah, there's something kind of, like, there's something kind of bullshit about his entire presence. And just like his, his his very short trousers that are that like short beige trousers and pink sausage legs, all those little details that <laughs> he looks like the kind of kid that you'd get in a, again going back to public information films. He is that kid who gets electrocuted on the pylons in public information films. Uh, he's the cautionary tale guy. I don't know. I, I feel, yeah, it feels like the brat one in those old films. Like he's the one who's yeah. kind of like. I'll do my own thing, Mister. And yeah. then you're like, what the fuck you, Zach? Oh, let's go and play down the let's go play down the canal. Sploosh. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it, then it gets really weird because yeah. it's kind of been the atmosphere is already sort of unsettling. I think by this stage, mm-hmm. just the, the score and the mix of like feels like almost like it's a sort of episode of early East Enders or something. Yeah, mixed weird the gore and the birth scene and all that also another little a little moment that sticks in the back of my throat is after the um the woman's given birth to um to sam and the dog is eating the remains of the alien <laughs> in the corner of the room and it and the alien has been reduced to this kind of what just looks like a load of gray dog food in the in the corner of the room yeah that's the detail that just it's just it's just like that just makes me feel just a bit associating dog food with an alien creature, it just makes me. It's just these little details that just make me feel just a little bit sick. This is actually like um, it's something that I hadn't really considered until you said it. But see, now you've said it, I can't unsee it through loads of things that I'm thinking about from when I watched it. There are so many moments of incidental grossness on various yeah. levels. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, and a general quietly discomfort in air that kind of runs across the whole thing. I think and um, the, the, the sound and the the, the the soundtrack is very much a part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, now, we're on, oh, sorry. oh, yeah, on you go, on you go, Mitch. Sorry, I, so, I think that like just because obviously I think that one of the firms, one of the film's first really outrightly fucking insane moments is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. But see, when you get back to the house and stuff, and I know that you said that some of the kind of the family drama elements of it is a little bit soapy but see the the scene when they're in the living room and you can see kind of like joe is obviously really bristling at the imposition yep. and stuff like that i think some of that stuff's pretty well done i think that some of the some of the kind of some of the conflict in there is pretty decent it's in pretty, that moment pretty heavy sam throws a bottle at him yeah yeah you crazy maniac <laughs> you fucking you're out of your fucking mind <laughs> <laughs> that leads on to another disgusting moment when sam goes into tony's bedroom and is caught eating the eggs of tony's pet snake harry yeah what doesn't look like any kind of egg albumin i've ever seen but squishes out this really gross gray gunge into his mouth and then that's the kind of catalyst i suppose for tony Realizing there's something pretty major going on with his dad, but again, it's it's the way it's that it's the detail. It's grey yolk. Yeah. It's just, it's just that's just disgusting. Grey yolk, and the way he's like sucking it off his wrist. It's, it's, well. like, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just really wrong. Like the like, I genuinely, I thought this bit was like straight up fucking revolting. Yeah, like so yeah. When, like a lot of the kind of goes up to him, he's kind of, kind of is, like savaging it. Is absolutely disgusting. And um, yeah, so Tony takes off running. Mm-hmm. And and Sam chases him because he he wants to have this relationship with his son for better or worse, which leads to another one of the film's most uh, uncomfortable scenes. I was not ready for this. You were eating Harry's eggs. I needed them. Yeah, and ju- and just that the whole kind of almost a seduction that happens, yeah. which is again, it's just it's just it's just really wrong. And then sort of sucking that weird eggy blue cheese lump out out of his son's neck. Again, it's just the texture of the effect, that thing. And again, it, um, maybe I'm associating this with like be, being like 11 when I saw it, but all of the de- all of the, like, the textures, like that always just looked like a piece of blue cheese. <laughs> like, like when he, when he, he basically, 
puts his mouth onto Tony's neck, which is kind of a slightly sexual thing. Yeah, it comes across quite sexual. There's an element of enjoying it. Yeah, he's closing his, his eyes are rolling back into his head a little bit. Yeah, there's like yeah. savouring going on. Yeah, there's a bit. Of, yeah, there is a savouring's a good word, Mitch. Yeah, yeah there seems to be a bit of, a bit of that going on where he's not entirely uncomfortable with what's going on, although we are. And it's the way. He, and he also, he Sam very delicately just sort of moves his shirt down over his shoulder so that he can gain access to his neck. It just it's all a bit slow and considered and then starts sucking his neck. <laughs> and, but then starts sucking this lump of I don't even know how to describe it. I mean it's just it's so weird. Well keep blue just, cheese as the uh, It looks like, a, a, like an egg coming out of his neck that's made of blue cheese. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. And it's throbbing. There we go. So if you can imagine that, listeners, uh, a, a throbbing egg of blue cheese, you paint quite a picture, Rob. Yeah, that was vivid. <laughs> it's powerful yeah. imagery. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all there in the film. Poor Harry doesn't last long. Poor Harry the snake. After this, he finds his way into the neighbour downstairs via a dodgy light fitting and is pretty quickly dispatched with a meat tenderizer. Can we uh, just talk about the neighbour for a second? Yes. Uh, Lou Beale. Yeah, Lou Beale. Anna Wing, who so this was this was before I guess yeah it was been fairly shortly before EastEnders yeah. began yeah I, I think um, EastEnders was 80, I want to say 85 or something I don't know but it not not long before anyway so of course again watching that a few years later when when EastEnders was really big and you've got Lou Beale is right in the middle of of, of, um, of this movie playing playing one of Playing a role that has one of the most memorable death scenes in in Cinema? in a horror film, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, I would say it, it's particularly bizarre. I think yeah, it all comes to bear. She does kill Harry with a meat tenderizer after finding him in her salad, which I guess would take anybody by surprise. But then, rather than just embrace the and just chuck it in the bin, which is what I would do. I would never make any bones of the fact that I had killed this snake. What I yeah. certainly wouldn't do is put it in a poly bag and take it back and present it to the child like so much yeah. dog shit. That's uh, a also, savage moment. Yeah, yeah. that's a, as well. She's not just hit it a couple of times. I mean, she brings back. A, she, that's a bag of blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> snake flavored blood. She has she has smashed it into she's she's smashed it into blood. It's a bag like, of awful. She must have been hitting that snake for hours to get, <laughs> to get it to just become some blood. Which means then she also scooped it all up, scraped yeah. it into that bag, and rather than just bin it, and nothing would have happened, she gives it back to the broken little boy. It's a lot of concentrated <laughs> effort in the name of presentation. Yeah, it's, that's a pretty cold way to, to tell someone they need to take better care of their pets. A life lesson. But yeah, no, she does get her just desserts pretty sharpish after that. And like you say, Rob, you're oh quite right. The, the the I mean, the death scene here, I mean, there was nothing that could have prepared me for this. This is flat out bonkers. It's bonkers on, on numerous levels as well. Uh, yeah, at this point, it shifts gears from being an alien film to something quite different, something that doesn't really have a parallel. Yeah, Rob, I want to hand, I want to hand this over to you um, because I think you'll be able to describe it better than we will. But um, <laughs> when you when you kick off with um, Tony's kind of circus nightmare into what happens with the death of the old lady, this I mean, this is pretty remarkable stuff. So, uh, well, after after um, Sam has sucked a blue cheese egg out of his son's neck, yes, his son Tony now has certain powers, certain, I guess, telekinetic powers. He's able to bring various toys in his bedroom to life. There's a clown that comes to life. And then um, tying in with um, the grudge he holds against the neighbor who's killed his his beloved uh, snake, he sends his action man down to the flat downstairs to kill her. But the action man has become like a six-foot action man. <laughs> So it's like a like a an action man as big as like a, like a very tall, fully grown man shows up at her door, yeah. cuts the lock with bolt cutters, or blow first of all blows the handle off with an yeah. explosive device, yeah. cuts the, the door open with bolt cutters, and then comes into the, the flat and then starts hunting her down with a bayonet. Yeah, and operate um, what appears to be an operational machine gun and bayonet. <laughs> yeah. So maybe jumping just ahead to the death itself. Mrs. Goodman enjoys eating chocolates. And uh, that's set up earlier on. We see her in a nice, just before Harry the Snake shows up, she's sitting down 
and she's got a little dish of chocolates and she's eating them. So cut to later on when the full-size action man is in her room stalking her. She somehow manages to hide under the sofa, but it's one of those sofas where the base is like really close to the floor. So yeah. she couldn't possibly have been able to hide under that sofa. It mu- the sofa must be hollow yeah, in order for her to fit, fit under it. So she's hiding under this sofa while a fully grown action man is in her house trying to kill her with a bayonet. And what gives her hiding place away is that she reaches out. So in the in the sort of panic, <laughs> she onto the floor. She reaches her hand out from under the sofa to get a chocolate. <laughs> and, then, and the action man sees it, and then that's that's how she gets killed. So she's like, think of this from for a second from her perspective. She's, I'm hiding in my under my sofa. There's an action man in my lounge trying to kill me. Oh, I, just, I really fancy a chocolate right now. So she reaches her hand out to retrieve a chocolate. Yeah. And the action man sees her. That's just like, that is genius. When you say it, it like that, Rob, it all sounds a bit ludicrous. <laughs> they've, they've set it up earlier on. They've made a point of setting up a scene earlier on to show her how much she enjoys eating these chocolates. Yeah, it's a callback. So it's, not, it's not like a fluke. It's like, no, she really likes chocolates, even when there's an action man trying but to kill she, her. Yeah, like, it betray- yeah. like she likes chocolates in ways that it betrays her survival instinct at the yeah. crucial moment. Yeah. Chocolate is ultimately her downfall. You really want one of those chocolates right now. That's got to be some good chocolate. It better have been. Uh, it's not something... Uh, it's, cho- it's worth dying for. Clearly. That's the decision she had to make. Uh, and there's, a, oh. there's a great scream that she does when she gets stabbed as well. Would you care to replicate it? Yeah, I will. Um, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Right, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a minimum of out of 10 ever then. I'd practice that. So if you watch the film and play that back it's pretty accurate yeah right on the money so I'm actually going to overdub the film with the, <laughs> you doing your Tony impressions uh, your impressions of Joe Mrs Goodman's I, death scream I could dub the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think one thing we didn't touch on at the start when the guy gets killed at the side of the road uh-huh. the under eye jabber yeah X-Pro steals the clothes which is kind of pivotal in the next scene he stole clothes he happened upon clothes which were full of money and photographs and the photograph of the girl from the start. The girl who dies in the car with her foot in the steering wheel. That's just a MacGuffin to cat bring it around, otherwise he would never have got caught. That's so true. Right. Joe finds, because the, the body of the girl in the car shows up later on, and Joe, the new boyfriend, finds the photograph and then looks at the headlines and goes, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't like Sam anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's his sort of motive then to... Yeah, that's like his stick to beat him with, isn't it? Obviously, at that point, it becomes he's been run, he's run away with this woman, therefore tying it, rather than being on a spaceship, therefore tying into the myth that has been perpetrated about Sam since his disappearance. There's a panther in this film. Yeah. Yeah, which is just where we're getting to, isn't it? So he's got this clown, hasn't he? Like, and it's like a little wooden clown toy. Yeah, that's right. Tony, Tony has. And um, he brings it to life and it's got like a... But it's like a... When it comes to life, it's like this midget clown. Yeah. With like a deadly yo-yo. And a rubber hammer. Yeah, and a rubber hammer, yeah. Um, which seems yeah. quite deadly because he's able to take Michael down with the rubber hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. But is uh, the, it, it, that, this, see, this is the point where the film really starts to go weird because. Well, this is the point. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think that this is the second obvious gear shift in the like eccentricity stakes. Yeah, because you you by the by now you've got you've got a, like a, a dwarf clown running around in in what's a science fiction horror movie, and you've got a full size action man, and you've got a black panther yep. that's, that's that's running around the house, and you've got uh, a tank that comes alive as well. Yeah. She tries to escape by throwing a towel over it. Yeah, that's the that's the universal universal method for yeah, escaping brief. a tank. There's another really weird bit that's quite unsettling when Annalise dies, where and Tony kind of does the reverse of what his dad does, but he's sucking the blue cheese egg from her stomach. Yeah. That's a pretty sexualized moment as well. I think it's another one of those weird, slightly disturbing moments where you've got a child sucking the stomach of a young woman. Yeah, like in an a, adult woman. Yeah, yeah, in a in a slightly sexual way, um, and and weird wormy things are sort of weird, like worms and beads are yeah. sort of appearing on on her stomach. <laughs> see, I kind of feel like see now we're talking what about it back fuck? and and are kind of digging into the minutiae of these moments. I'm just really starting to really consider how unbelievably eccentric this is. 
And how many of the choices in there, big or small, are really kind of bold ones? Yeah, it's like everything is just off and strange about it. It's just, it's just the details in it are just very, very weird. I think the effects in it are, are, are it's like one of those one of those things where all of the elements somehow, whether it's a fluke or not, all come together and clash in strange ways. And every every level of it, from the acting to the soundtrack to the sound editing to the weird quirks of characters deciding they want some chocolates when they're about to get killed yeah to to effects look reminding you of food extra's eyes the the, the alien's eyes kind of re- always remind me of jam <laughs> it's just everything about it. it's got this weird associations with like i think that's part of what makes it feel just stick in the back of your throat a little bit and feel a bit disgusting and then of course as, as well by the way we've also got sam sucking gas yeah. which is an just unexplained thing yeah that's all that's that's all for that absolutely no explanation which i'm fine with because i quite i, I think I, I prefer it in isolation as a moment of strangeness <laughs> um yeah. but um so yeah just just to pull this linear story wise right okay um, good luck yeah it's ambitious at this point but like um <laughs> uh so yeah so tony's left alone as uh, annalise kind of goes to bed with michael 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 yeah yeah and then um <laughs> Lie down, she says, doesn't she? That's she right. Yeah, I lie down. Air quotes. Have a hide and seek. Um, and yeah, and it's at this point that yeah, you get t- uh, Tony giving Annalise the Sam treatment, if you like, the blue cheese treatment. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's Michael that gets chased by the tank initially, isn't it? And I think uh, it's Mike. Yeah, it's Michael. And that gets- he successfully evades the tank long enough to get uh, confronted by the Panther in the lobby. Now, I don't remember seeing a panther in the kid's bedroom, in Tony's bedroom. No, did I believe so? Presumably there is one. There is one, yeah. Ah! On the same desk as the as the clown toy, there is a black panther. Ah, so okay. it, it does. it is rooted in, in, a, in another of Tony's toys. So I am relieved that that tracks logically. Yeah. <laughs> I've, never, I've never noticed that before. I've always just been like, all oh, right, there's a panther now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> While all this is going on, Sam and... What's the mum's name? Rachel. Rachel have gone back to the the farmhouse from the beginning to investigate what happened to Sam and try to re- kind of jog his memory. At this point, parts of his hair are starting to fall out and things are looking a bit weird. And then there's a really weird, awful sex scene where a, essentially a decomposing Sam continues to thrust long after being identified as some kind of melting creature. It's a very awkward sex scene. It's a sort of embarrassing sex scene. <laughs> awkward is a word. Awkward as a word, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this was great. Yeah. In terms, like, like effect-wise, story-wise, it was really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like the reactions in scene are great. I think subconsciously that's where I've list- lifted the bit from Split, where he's sitting on the bed and he's got the big sticky gross wound on his back. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that's where I've stolen it from. I'm pretty sure I've, I've subconsciously stolen all kinds of things from Extra. It's just one of those films <laughs> has this weird atmosphere to it again though it's very painty very yellow and green and red it's like very vivid the the winds on them like primary colors yeah heavy. very yeah very psychedelic Bizarre. and also towards the end the light just the, the lighting scheme generally starts to change as well with the just the the the, the up the overturned fridge that's sort of weird green yeah mash- so it looks like um, that's a weird that's a weird tableau altogether. It's just uh, it's just it just gets weirder and weirder and just again the textures. But we're jumping ahead because there's the, the the Annalise ends up as a kind of cocoon thing in the bar with a weird vagina thing going on. Yeah, yeah. she almost kind of it almost seems like she becomes like kind of almost one giant like surrogate slash uterus for alien eggs. Yeah, depending yeah. which ending yeah. you've seen. I think that probably comes to bear. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she gets knocked out, and then like basically, it's pretty much the next time we see her, she's yeah. in that kind of condition, right? Well, she gets the well, she gets knocked out. Then then Tony comes and sucks worms and beads, or, 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 or is he? Sucking, I, mean, I don't know what's going on, but he's sucking. But then weird things are going under her skin, so he's, he's like changing her with his mouth into this weird cocoon thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. sort of got sp- like cobwebs all over it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. That was my, yeah. It looks like she's like kind of like totally like mummified by cobwebs. When yeah, you see yeah. Her, when you see her in her kind of like final form. Yeah, but she's yeah, also yeah. turned into a weird cocoon thing, insecty kind of egg machine. Cocoon is a better word than uterus. I think that that's better serves the image. I think that I think cocoon is right. <laughs> I would say it better serves the the image than uterus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! And then it kind of ends quickly. It ends really abruptly. So Tony gets 
taken to the farm by Joe. Yep. Yeah. That's after he's been. Uh, they've 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 made the Annalise cocoon lay loads of eggs. Yeah. Um, which are which are essentially water bombs. They look like balloons. Yeah. Full of yeah. Water. And then they put them in the fridge, but the fridge is now now full of. Well, the, the 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 dwarf clown empties a bucket of what looks like green sort of kind of porridge, rice porridge? pudding or porridge, yeah, in, into it, and then puts the eggs into the fridge. <laughs> Bonker, Again, bonk. it's just this association with food. I think that that just makes just makes me feel a bit sick, which is part of its charm. I think. Yeah, it's quite effective at making you feel a bit dirty. Yeah. Well, we get to we get to the farm after this, and Tony is obviously now an alien. He's re uh, reintroduced to his father. His father, by this point, is a skeleton almost. This was a great image. Yeah, when you see them together, like yeah, uh, yeah. and they're both kind of like in their advanced alien forms. Mm. I thought that was great. And Joe is killed off pretty quickly in a kind of scanners sequence, so they can now do that too. They can yeah, use their. He screams and makes Joe's ears bleed. And then he dies. Pretty unceremoniously. And then the extras now, I guess, we're using plural. I believe the term is extra. Extra, okay. Extra and son. Oh, God. Extra and son, yeah. They return home in the bright white light together. Uh, yeah, uh, they, they sort of disappear in a kind of a kind of white triangle um, that sort of disappears. And then Rachel's left behind and she just kind of sits there, doesn't she? Yeah, she just kind of, t- mm. she, yeah, she just kind of, uh, she has a moment kind of absorbing. I guess she's got a lot. She's got a lot to assimilate yeah. by this point. Not least of all, her horrifying sexual encounter, the death of her wannabe fiance, because like he does say, yeah, "I want. I'm going to marry her." So he's gone. Her son is now gross and gone, and her <laughs> husband is clearly an alien and gone. When you reel it off in list form, I think if it was me, I'd need a minute as well. Yeah. She takes a minute to sit on the grass and then goes back home. And this is where which whichever ending you've kind of watched comes to pass. Yeah, we watched both for the sake of preparation. But so in the first cut that we see, in the, in, in the cut that we watched, yeah, in the second set cut, she heads through the door and she gets she gets kind of swamped by. Is it like it's kind of almost looks like kind of Tony ghosts. Rob, did you see? Have you seen the version with the Tony ghosts? Yeah, I mean the the the, the version I originally saw and the version that was on VHS that was released in the UK had the alternative ending, which was the egg ending. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you want to do you want to just describe that? Well, the ending that was finally released. I think the the multiple Tonys version was the original ending that was shot, and it was rejected. And then they re- they shot a new ending, which yeah. was the version that went out onto the with the with the with the release, which is um, Rachel comes back, goes into the the apartment, which is now kind of glowing white. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the panther is still hanging around. <laughs> and um, she goes and finds the fridge and it's full of eggs and she picks one of them up and a sort of alien hand or arm shoots out of the egg and goes onto her mouth, very similar to the, the yeah. alien, how the alien hand impregnated uh, the woman in the bar. The, yeah, the, the blonde bar. lady. And then she kind of falls over and the end of the arm is just kind of a, like a bunch of entrails and balloons and stuff. Just again, just... <laughs> <laughs> And then the door slams, and then it ends. I of of the two endings, I think that that's the stronger one. Personally, do you have a preference yourself? I think it's probably the stronger one. I mean, I like the weirdness of the multiple Tonys one because it, it's just like what what's going on. It's just like <laughs> another. It's another one of those moments where, like, so is that implying that all of those eggs had a new Tony in it or something? I, I guess then it would oh, like potentially that. play into the extra thing earlier when extra. If we imagine the thing on all fours impregnates the lady in the shack and she then gives birth to a Tony. Oh, sorry, a Sam. Yeah. So I guess perhaps then if an extra impregnates someone, they then give birth to something that looks like, I don't know. <laughs> I really th- I th- I th- I thought you were on to something there. I think I mean, I what, is the, what is the life cycle of these extra creatures? Because it seems to be there's... There's multiple life cycles and and very complicated ways in which they reproduce. There's like, you get sent back down in alien form, you ejaculate yourself through a weird sucker hand thing into a woman's throat. She then gives birth to a full-size version of your human self. You then go and hang out at your old home. Uh, you get your son and his and his dwarf mate, who was a toy <laughs> babysitter turn her into an egg machine which then lays loads of eggs which then turn into loads of loads of versions of your son i, I, mean, think, quite, I think that's actually quite a succinct uh, wrap up of the story as a whole <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's as good as any explanation i can think of for the 
the life cycle of the extra. Yeah, I would say that's that's reasonable. I would say, like, like I say, of the two endings, I would say I, I, I prefer the egg ending, but I do quite like the way, now you've said it, I like the idea of the multiple Tonys one and the way that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I feel like we're reaching a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of... <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of like, I mean, again, it, you know, you, you, you think of, of the um, uh, the Aphex Twin, you know, Come to Daddy video. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, this that original ending of Extro got there first. It's a very similar kind of atmosphere. Just these weird kids who've all got the same face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, trailblazers. This woman, it's their mother, and and the way that they're all going, aren't they like saying "Mama, Mama" or something? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really understand it, but and I can see why they did reshoot it. But there is something quite um, weird and sort of scary about it as well. Now, Rob, I know you watched the director's cut in preparation yeah. for this. How did that compare to the... I didn't get around to watching it, but how did that compare to the, the original version that pretty much everyone will know? I would say... Because on the, on, the, on the new Blu-ray, there is something called the 2018 director's cut. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say it's cut differently. It's mainly colour-graded very differently. It's much more contrasty. Right. And there's loads of... Um, it's almost like he... Harry Bromley Davenport did a bit of a George Lucas on it, and he's gone back and did CGI like extra CGI, but it's like really low, oh, low indeed. rent, oh. like After Effects stuff that he's kind of put over the the film. For example, in the Action Man scene, it's much much darker. There's CGI smoke in it and CGI explosions and stuff going oh. on. Some of the scenes have extra zooms, digital zooms in them, and digital camera judder. Basically, it's it's um, best left alone. Yeah, that sounds fucking awful. No, it, it, yeah, it sounds like it would uh, like kind of take away from a lot of the stuff about it. That's kind of charming. Yeah, it's sort of interesting to see like where just creatively Harry Bromley Davenport is at nowadays. Looking at it, and it's it's uh, it's the weird thing about extra. Because when I first saw it, I thought, wow, this is like a really interesting. Yeah, even at the time and years later I still feel that way it's, it's a very very weird and unusual film and the trajectory of the director who made it sort of it didn't he didn't really make anything else that was anything like this later on I mean I've only seen the other two extra sequels but um, it's they're nothing like this yeah as worth mentioning that it does have two sequels two yeah, unofficial yeah. sequels Extra 2 The Second Encounter and Extra 3 Watch the Skies same director he, he, he hung on to the, the name legally Right. So he was able to make sequels, but they're story-wise, they're nothing to do with the um, the the um, the extraverse. The extraverse, yeah, yeah, extraverse. That's good. There you go, Rob. I'm kind of I'm glad you picked this one. It's an interesting one, and I think that, like you say, it's like it's pretty timely because it's probably about to hit a new audience potentially with the second set release. But also, I think that um, as years go by, and it kind of feels like. Uh, attitudes to it are kind of softening. It's good that it's getting this release. That's going to like people. That people are going to see it and maybe appreciate it again. Just in the measure of this conversation, I've taken a little bit more out of it because mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. But I think that um, I probably didn't give enough kind of. Uh, I didn't didn't give enough airtime to. And it's maybe a happy accident. The overall atmosphere of it could be this kind of really serendipitous convergence of stuff. I do want to say, Mitch, that I wrote down some things that you said while we were watching this the other day. Okay. One of them, towards the end, when Sam's melting, you said, what am I looking at? <laughs> which I thought was quite which I thought was quite charming. Yeah, I'll stand by that. <laughs> Obviously, you can add on the earlier, um, I hate Tony. I, hate I fucking Tony. hate Tony. Which, in fairness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract that, at least in part. I think that I'm probably giving Tony a little bit of a bad rap there. He's been through a lot. He has. You know, he's been up against it. He's been through the mill. So, Mitch, what did you think of the film overall? I quite liked it. Sitting on the fence. Yeah, I quite liked it. I, I would say that, like, say, I, I, this happens quite a bit with these. Rob, my level, my knowledge is uh, sadly uh, lacking when standing up next to somebody <laughs> like Andy. So, a lot of the time, when people are choosing films for this, it's a first, it's a first viewing for me. And a couple of times, and I would include extra in this, I would say that, like, um, I watch it and I'm like, yeah, okay. I haven't watched anything so far for this that I've out and out disliked. And I watched this and I was like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. I would say that I, would say that I didn't necessarily um, identify with uh, the kind of the cult following or anything like that. I would say that this conversation has brought me a little bit closer to understanding that. Uh, that I would say that that's the, that's the main takeaway I would have. I would say I still kind of find it quite difficult to quantify exactly what I think of it. But um, I'll, I, I can see myself revisiting it now, which is maybe not necessarily something that I would have thought I would have done immediately after I watched it for the first time. Uh, a friend, a friend of mine, uh, Dominic, described it as um, uh, the British Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I've seen... <laughs> it's, it's, not an unfair, it's not an unfair comparison. No. But, I mean, I've seen Extra a few times prior to this and revisiting it in the super-duper highfalutin Second Sight Blu-ray, it's every bit as inscrutable and impenetrable as it always has been. I don't think that in the 20 years, maybe, more than that, since I saw Extra for the first time, I don't think I've gathered any more understanding for what Extro is as a film, what Extro is as a creature. It all—it seems like two very disparate films mashed together. Yeah, or, or even three. But it's a film that I've always liked, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I saw it at such a young age, and I even before then, the video cover was so powerful to me the first time I saw it. That I, I, I almost feel like it's always been there in my life. <laughs> Just, that's a sad thing to say it's your rock but I, I feel like extra has always been with me <laughs> so, that's like, I find it quite hard to kind of analyse it because I, I, I associate so many so many of the things I think about extra are associated with the, the, the age at which I saw it as well and, yeah. and when you when you watch films especially horror films when you're very very young the, the images kind of go into your psyche in a, in a way that you don't really understand and, and even years later you can't really separate yourself from those first early impressions in particular the um, sort of um, relationship with the effects to what for me felt like almost like food textures mm-hmm. always you know really sort of disturbed me when I was a kid and I still feel that way when I watch it Bunch of, bunch, when I was at university, uh, uh, me and a bunch of friends um, decided to watch Extra while eating a cheap Black Forest Gatto from Iceland. Uh, as, just as a kind of exercise to eat something cheap and nasty while watching Extra. And it just it gave us all headaches and further cemented my weird sort of food-related relationship with Extra. I think there's something in that. I think, yeah, I think that's really lovely, though, that it's had this gigantic impact on you. And, yeah. uh, and you, I mean, it's, it's there's something quite poignant and lovely in the fact that you feel like your whole life has just extras been there like a friend, like a comforting <laughs> friend. But it's, yeah. like, it's the whole idea of what we're trying to get people to do on here. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, like the, so, so something you've got like that kind of kind of deep rooted affection for that you can't necessarily like you can't necessarily quantify in relation to the film itself. Kind of like, I like the idea of just kind of like it's it's obviously something that you like you tie a lot of kind of positivity to kind of like through your kind of formative years and when your tastes forming. I think yeah. like a lot a lot of the people that have come on so far that have argued the most convincingly and spoken about the films the most earnestly are people whose memories are kind of like who's the reason that they've chosen it are kind of stupid um, in the kind of things that you're talking about here. Yeah. I yeah. Because you can't, you can't really look at it objectively because you don't have, when you, when I saw it, I did not have an adult uh, a developed mind. Yeah. My mind was still developing when I saw it. So it was, I was not able to understand it. And I, and I think that I still think of, I still relate to it in a, in a way as that same sort of, you know, 11 year old, the first time I saw it. And it's not, it's not even necessarily like a sort of fondness. It's just, I do have ambivalent feelings towards it because I do think it's, <laughs> it does make me feel sick. And, I, and there's something a bit depressing about it as well. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Because it's got this kind of weird TV, depressing Sunday night TV quality about it as well. Yeah, a real BBC. Yeah. One of, like, one of those really gritty kids things like Chalky. Yeah, you know, exactly. or the tomorrow people or something like that yeah. like from the from the 80s late 70s yeah. early 80s uh, yeah it's also got that feeling of like things that were shown on sunday night when you, when you know you've got to get up to school the next morning like last of the summer wine and stuff like that yeah. wait something just a bit depressing about the feeling of it because it reminds you of having to go to school yeah, something it's got that quality about it as well yeah something that falls right between last of the summer wine and doctor who yeah it's got a bit of a doctor who quality to it as well I think. yeah yeah we're getting a very British frame of reference here now. Yeah. yeah, it's so British though. Just the tone of it is very, very British. Uh, Rob, thanks a lot for taking the time tonight. Uh, before you go, one, is there anything that you want to talk about? And two, how can people catch up with you on social media? Anything you want to talk about in terms of yeah, let's your do that work? First. Okay, like, in any, terms of your work, anything you want to plug in? Oh, like nothing happening in the imminent future. There's a thing I'm doing a short film for Arrow Films, which will be on a Blu-ray later this year. I can't say what film it is yet. Oh, cool. I just want to see, but I'm doing a little short film working on a feature which well we're just waiting for funding at the moment which is slowly coming together hopefully so, an, anim- an animated feature no it's a light it's a mix of it's live action and animation ah, nice sweet cool but waiting for funding so that could be next year but it could be a few years i don't yeah, know yeah sure. well, <laughs> sure, of course but yeah in the meantime uh, if uh, how can people catch up with you i guess 
social media wise, probably Facebook is probably where I post things the most. Facebook.com forward slash Robert Morgan Films, I think it is. You can follow me there and uh, yeah, I'll post anything, um, any news or anything on there. Rob, thanks for talking extra with us tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was it was fun to talk about this 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 rotten gem. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess kind of predictably, quite a lot to dig into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, as I say, I'm a uh, big thanks to Rob for stopping by. And yeah, absolutely. Yep, thanks, Rob. It's uh, once again almost inevitably a first viewing for me. I'm a constant disappointment in that way. No, no, no. That, like you said before, you should view this as an education. Yeah, like as a, a as a viewing odyssey. It seems like I'm. I, I, judging by the feedback that we're getting, it seems like some of the listeners are doing that as well. So I feel less bad about it. Yeah, but that's that's a good thing. I feel a little bit vindicated. Yeah, yeah. Like by the fact that people are going on the same journey as me. Yeah. Get into these things. However, um, let's take a look at the feedback section. I'm going to give you a section. feedback <laughs> section for this week. Um, yeah. So I guess first and foremost, anything ref in the mouth of madness? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Dodson again at John D Beard um, has said, "Dudes, this is my number one all-time favorite film." Oh, so that's pretty pretty huge praise. Pretty yeah, huge praise for uh, for in the mouth of madness. Ah, it's a fine film, to be fair. That is a very good film. I feel like we didn't do very much arguing about it, but I think that's fine. I think that the idea was that we kind of came in and spoke about it as it being a kind of underrated carpenter film. Yeah. And we all kind of came out, yeah, in a kind of predictable way. But I think it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like we're all going to dig it. But yeah, it was a fun conversation. To that end, uh, to that, um, we've got Nazi on Twitter, Sheridan Not, uh, saying another great show. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, if Laurie Brewster comes back, uh, which he may, we'd love to hear his I'm views. Not, I'm not having that. Oh, really? No. Okay, you're just vetoing, vetoing that right that, now. Vetoing okay. that right now. Okay. So, yeah, going on that hypothetical then, seeing as you're not lagging back. No. no. Uh, Sheridan said that he would like to have heard Laurie's opinion on either Serpent in the Rainbow or Dust Devil. Both very good films, yeah. And actually both that I can see Laurie throwing himself into quite, <laughs> quite wholeheartedly. Yeah, I could see him being the defender. I'm, uh, a, I'm of course, kidding. If Laurie's more than welcome back anytime he wants to come back. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. within reason. Almost any time. Yeah, 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 I think that's fair. Um, you got anything else on in the mouth of madness before we start working back? Got uh, a Peter Campbell at oh. Peter PRR. Peter Prr saying, In the mouth of madness is terrific. Uh, Sam Neill is hilarious, isn't it? Ah, uh, I think hilarious, I don't know. I think he's very good, and I think there's some flashes of things that I think are kind of pretty funny, but uh, yeah, I think on, on the whole, he's playing it quite, he's playing it not hilarious. Does he mean hysterical? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah because he's definitely that. that. Yeah, he's definitely hysterical. Um, a couple of instances. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else under the mouth? No, not that I can see. So I can jump back to um, uh, when you put out or we put out on Twitter this week. We're asking people what their favourite episodes have been so far. Again, just kind of because we want to know what people were responding to. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Grant the Bear at Comfortably Dumb on Twitter. Right. I uh, got in touch saying either Detention or The Village. One of them <laughs> emphasised why I love the film, and the latter made me question whether I do actually love it as much as I thought. Now you dug a little bit deeper into that. Well, I got you? a little bit curious, so I replied saying, this is interesting, what changed about your thoughts on The Village after the episode? And he said, uh, Graham Skipper pointing out that uh, something he'd never thought about, which was the willingness of the kind of villagers to let their kids die mm-hmm. in the name of what they pursued, kind of with the full awareness that the medicine to fix them existed in the outside world. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is... Um, not necessarily, not necessarily something that should make you dislike the film any less, but dislike the main characters a little more. <laughs> because they're despicable. But I think that, like, if anything, I think that when we really got into that, I think it made that a little bit more interesting and uh, informed how I looked at the characters a little bit more rather than, like I said, the characters dropped to my estimation. But the film didn't. Caitlin Downs touched on Blair Witch too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at Caitlin M. Downs on uh, Twitter. Got in touch to say um, that uh, a director's cut would be fantastic. Uh, would be interested in comparing the two versions. And you reached out kind of off the back of that comment just to say that you would love to see what's left out almost as much as what's included. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think that without the kind of studio interference thing, I'd be quite curious to know how, how it shakes out. So as regards this week, uh, predictably, yeah. Dennis Extro Atherton was pretty enthused about the fact we were talking about Extro this week. Yes, which yeah. Is fair enough, he's a vocal supporter <laughs> of the film. We knew he would be. Yeah. If anyone's going to be, it's going to be Dennis Extro Atherton. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think that's on his credit cards and stuff. 
I hope so. I think it probably. Yeah, is. I hope that's his real name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, but um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. But no, um, he got in touch to say that the announcement had made his day, which is nice. He said, "I just watched the new Blu-ray this weekend and loved it." Yeah. But also, he touched on the uh, the minisode, which I would concede was a little bit shambolic this week. <laughs> yeah. Do we do we want to go down the road of, re- of issuing a second apology? Was one enough? Well, we did our best. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. You know what? I'm not. We're, gonna... we're still here. Uh, if anything, we should be commended because we're still here trying to put an episode out, even when. Uh, barriers are up in our way exactly yeah. yeah yeah but he did say i want i want to say uh to you both that i both love your commitment mitch hiding behind the flats doing the podcast which if you're listening to the minisode you'll know that uh yeah i was coming to you live from a crouch down in a leaf car park uh getting suspicious glances from well, the occupants of the flats behind me well you sucked petrol from <laughs> Yeah, well, it was <laughs> furiously petrol siphoning over, yeah. petrol from nearby vehicles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he also said, the man of Aberdeen. <laughs> oh shit! Um, but he also um, passed a wee comment on uh, in the mouth of madness. Said it was his favourite episode so far. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, and said uh, never throw chips at the driver, which I think is good advice. Yeah. And um, said I love Sam Neil. Uh, Zalavski's possession is another brilliant Sam Neil performance with lots to talk about. I think that that's the kind of thing that I would love to talk about in the show. But people rightfully like it a little bit too much. What? Possession. Possession, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, deservingly a very acclaimed beast. Yeah, yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot to talk about in possession though. There uh, definitely is, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of laughs to be found though. No, I would uh, say that like, yeah, plumbing the comedy in there yeah, would be pretty yeah, tricky. I think I think you're gonna struggle to, to fit some stuff in there. Now also off the back of extra the, the announcement, rather, that we're doing extra this week. Haley Alice Roberts uh, at Welsh Demoness got in touch on Twitter saying, Very much looking forward to the strong, violent PC episode this Friday. The film is a newly discovered favourite of mine. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. What episode would be complete? Oh, a comment from Darren Gaskell. The third man, Darren Gaskell. <laughs> yeah, he got in touch off the back of the announcement uh, about Rob coming on to do extra. Um, saying this is going to be an interesting one okay I love this guy's work speaking of Rob particularly Bobby yeah but I've never been a big fan of the movie he's chosen looking forward to it well Darren I hope that you've maybe revisited it uh, prior to that prior to listening to this episode and you've maybe viewed it in a different light or if anything else perhaps enhanced your dislike for it um, but nonetheless, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you as always for getting in touch, I guess. Yeah, as well. yeah. One thing I do want to say as well, we had a drop off in the five word reviews. Yeah, it's true. We did. Yeah, we should. Um, I, partially self inflicted, I think. Go on, because we probably could. We, we could have stood to mention them a little more. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so, but we definitely we we want to hear your five word reviews on the films that we're picking. Not just like feedback in general, but yeah, if you've got a five word review to throw away, whether you're revisiting or seeing for the first time, like yeah, let's up with your five word reviews. Yeah, let's get a and few we'll more read of them. them out. Yeah, we will. We'll read them out. Um, it's pretty cool that people are still getting in touch and are obviously catching up with back episodes. Oh, definitely. And things which you can do now in a whole load of ways. Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, uh, yeah, another another Bane segue here. Yeah, yes indeed. Uh, as you all know, you can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. Yeah, they've been but, they've uh, been our mainstays. They've been the backbone for a while, yeah, especially Podbean, our, our hosting our, home. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but however, you can now also listen to us on Google's new podcast app, which I believe is just called Google Podcast. It's correct? called Google Podcast. Yep. Yeah, you can get that from the Apple Store or the Android Store, um, and you can also now hear us on Spotify. You have absolutely brand new information that yeah, one. It's great. Spanking new, straight out the gate. You can get us on Spotify. Yeah. And uh, don't forget also, if you want to get in touch with us, because I get we're, guess we're kind of driving towards the end of this thing now. Yeah, people know how this is shaking Yeah, out, exactly. Right? You know, you know you're <laughs> signing up for at this point. And if you do want to get in touch with us, and please keep doing that, because it is it's great to hear from you all. Absolutely. Um you can get in touch on Facebook and it, may, it does oh. make us feel like we're not like uh, screaming out into the into oblivion. Yeah, into the abyss. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. It's nice to know that there's somebody out there. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, if you want to get in touch with us, please do feel free to do that. You can get in touch on Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can also email us at stronglanguagevioluntscenes at gmail.com uh, no thanks very much once again though to everyone who's tuned in tonight and uh, a big thank you also to Mr Rob Morgan for stopping by and talking absolutely. extra thanks Rob well. again and in the meantime don't forget what? that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of shards Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain, production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes and Podbean. <laughs>